someone do something about it. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. News analysis and opinion. It's the Elijah Har Show on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Well, news broke just in the last, what, 24 hours maybe, that Donald Trump may be under indictment for the third time. Joining us now on the show, Dennis Lennox, who just had an article today, an editorial today, in the Telegraph about why this is bad for democracy. Dennis, welcome back to the show. Hey, always great to be back. All right, walk us through what you said in the uh, in, in your editorial. Well, I, I think the, the, the real story today, and I think the word unprecedented is probably being used way too much, but then again, I guess everything about Trump has been unprecedented, and I don't know at what point it stops to be unprecedented, but... I think the real victim of all this is going to be the American Republic. I I, I don't see how we come back as a democratic republic uh, because clearly there's going to be a precedent set that a future president is going to have his or her Department of Justice go after the former president or now, as we've seen in the case of the New York uh, local prosecutor and this pending county prosecutor in Georgia who still hasn't issued any charges yet. You know, there are like 3,100 counties in the country. Do we really want 3,100 county prosecutors or district attorneys, whatever you call them, uh, going after presidents of the United States? Uh, We are literally in a constitutional crisis. Nothing like this has ever happened before. And, you know, we have a president who campaigned on returning norms, and yet we're seeing every norm shattered under him. Tell us, tell you know, long term. Obviously, that the, the whole question is where do we go from here? And and as you mentioned, what thirty one hundred potential prosecutors around the country. We've joked on this show about okay, well, is, is the Green County of Missouri is that that prosecutor going to find a reason to go after Joe Biden or Hunter Biden or whoever else they want to go to? Because that seems to be what the current state of play is across the country, or at least with the current current people in charge. You're absolutely 100% right. I mean, I'm sure there's people a lot smarter than me who studied sort of uh, society and cultural issues, and I think you could certainly make the argument that what we're seeing today is sort of the culmination in this uber-partisan environment and uber-polarized environment today where... Democrats and Republicans don't go to the same churches anymore. They don't, you know, they don't go to the the same stores. They don't buy the same beer. They don't know how to talk to each other. And we're so polarized as a country to the point where now we're weaponizing the criminal justice system against political opponents. In this case, it's the former president of the United States who, as of today, whether you like him or not, whether you support him or not, he is the odds-on favorite to be renominated. Uh, and Frankly, I think what the Democrats are doing is clearly political because they've done the calculation that martyring Trump is their best chance at keeping the White House. Uh, I mean, after all, a majority of Democrats don't even want Biden to run again. So they have calculated that if they martyr Trump enough, enough Republicans are going to have sympathy for him and are going to renominate him because rightfully many of them believe that not only is this a political prosecution, it's a political persecution. 
How, how, so I guess, you know, the, the concern here is that the Republic may not survive. And, and we've had some guests on. They'll make jokes. They'll be like, listen, our divorce has already happened. It's just a matter of when we actually, like, make it official. But the country's so divided, there's no coming back from it. I guess the question is, what is the path back? I mean, obviously, Jack Smith is not going to try to unindict Trump. The, 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 you know, the, the Elvin Bragg is not. Yeah, you none of them can. So what's, what's the, what's the path back on all this? I don't know if there is one. Again, I think there are probably people much smarter than me who study those sorts of things and do the social science research and the survey methods. And, and, you know, they can, you know, groups like Pew that do all those sorts of studies. But politically, I'm not sure what the path is. I think a very dangerous precedent has been set. Trump himself has already said that if he gets in there, he will, in fact, in, you know, if he gets a, a, a second non-consecutive term, that he will, in fact, instruct his DOJ to go after Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. And I think this is a very dangerous Republican. I don't know if our Republican withstand this. I withstand this. I mean, again, the idea that we, we know what Democrats are capable of. They, you know, they, they've done these dirty tricks before where they run the, the fake conservative third-party candidate in U.S. Senate races and keep their seats. And, and, you know, instead of doing that, now they're putting their, their, their fingers on the scale of justice and, and abusing the criminal justice system. And, and now we're at a constitutional crisis, Elijah. What is going to happen if Trump wins not just the nomination but he somehow survives this teflon don and he wins election in november 2024 and at some point between november 2024 and the inauguration he's convicted in one of these courtrooms and is sentenced to the pokey particularly at the state level where he can't pardon himself what what what, <laughs> what has happened there i mean you know we can laugh at it but it's really not a laughing matter because it is a constitutional crisis you would have one sovereign entity a state convicting a president who's the head of state of the other sovereign entity the the united states government of a crime and could he be president from behind bars i don't know if i want to find out the answer to that question i never thought that would be something we would be talking about i mean the funny thing is and it always feels like it falls to the republicans to defuse the bomb but it, it almost seems like the best thing that could happen is you elect a Republican, we'll say, let's say DeSantis, who managed to come and, and pass Trump in the primary. So you don't have the situation where Trump is potentially indicted and, and, and convicted and then tr- president from behind bars. But the problem is that let's say you elect DeSantis, the bloodlust on the right to go after Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, shoot, dust off the old, let's go after the Clintons playbook, is going to be so high. How's a Republican not feed into that? Yeah, well, I mean, thankfully, there's something called the statute of limitations that would probably kick in for a lot of this stuff. And apparently, that's also already kicked in. And that's why, you know, apparently some of the things against Hunter Biden haven't been levied. But no, I think you're absolutely correct. And again, Democrats have done the calculation here. They know that this is martyring Trump, that this will likely push him across the line and cement his lead. He is in, you know, by all polls in first place at the moment. But conversely, the the few, and it's, admittedly it's a very small number, but the very few swing voters that there are truly in the four battleground states, Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, because those are the only states that matter in 2024, 
I don't see how Trump wins them over. Who is going to elect somebody who, again, he could be convicted and sent to prison before his inauguration? Uh, I mean, the only thing that would make it even crazier is if they have a presidential election that ends in a 269 to 269 tie, and then we have to dust off the rule books of, and Congress has to get together and vote by state and totally send everybody else into the, the you know, hey, here hey, you know, d- d- don't, don't jinx the Republic here. Cause I kind of feel like that's one of the last glass ceilings that are going to be broken here. I mean, it seems like every other precedent here has either been broken or tossed out the window. And, you know, that's one of the few ones left. I mean, again, I mean, I think we use the word unprecedented a lot with Trump, uh, but but there's still a lot of things that could happen here. And where is Brian Kemp, for example, the governor of Georgia? You know, maybe this is time for a Gerald Ford moment where the governor of Georgia preemptively pardons Trump of any state level crimes in Georgia so we can end that county prosecutor's investigation down in Georgia. It doesn't alleviate the other charges, but it stops this from getting any worse. Um, and at some point, though, I think the Republicans have to get some adults together in the room and say, do we really want to nominate somebody who is facing this situation? Uh, At this point, at least the polls indicate Republican voters don't care that they don't mind that Trump's under all this, this scrutiny right now. The polls are staying stagnant. You do think that last, you think we see some movement at some point? You know, I I don't know. I, I, I think the only thing that could change perhaps is, you know, people like me talking about it, people like you talking about it is probably not enough with all due respect. It's, you know, it's going to take the the Hannity's, the Bonginos, all those sorts of people, the Mark Levins that have that national street cred to say, look, if, if you want to win again, it's time to turn the page from Trump. All the columns in the New York Times and the Washington Post aren't going to swing tried and true true believers that are mega ultra mega out there who dominate the primaries and caucuses uh we've got what i don't know how many months until the iowa caucus kicks off yeah as we sit here today you know there's all this talk about desantis peaked early he's the scott walker of this cycle you buy that or not I think there's something there, right? And and whether it's true or not, you know this, perception becomes reality in politics. And, and the perception is starting to become the reality in, in that DeSantis uh, had a shot. He missed it. I, I, you know, I was very supportive of DeSantis early on. I still believe he's probably the best position to win the general election. But I increasingly believe that politics is about seizing moments, and his moment was probably in November and December. He should have got in the race back then when his when he was actually ahead of Trump by twenty or thirty points in some of the polls. Um, you know, Trump doesn't have an insurmountable lead because let's you know let's be honest, it's not the national polls that matter; it's the state level polls. But boy, it's it's getting pretty difficult for Ron DeSantis right now. You know, everybody says, and I think you and I have talked about this. I think Trump's support, while not not weak, is not nearly as strong as his current lead. You know, indicates who's the one that if you're if you're if you're investing in a stock today, what's the stock that you like? By the time we get to January and February, this is the hot candidate. Is it still DeSantis, or are you looking at somebody else as like the potential person? 
Well, I think you made an interesting point there. I mean, almost 70% of Republican primary and caucus goers prefer a candidate whose name is not Trump. The problem is that vote is being split up five, six, seven, eight ways. I, I think the governor of North Dakota, if he could make the debate stage, uh, is an interesting candidate, if only because he can self-fund. Um, you know, he's legitimately around worth around a billion dollars, and money is the milk of politics. And to get elected president, you need a lot of milk. Um, the problem that he faces is making that debate stage. I think I think the process that the RNC put into place is just absurd. I you know I I, I don't mind a polling threshold because I do actually think if you're at one percent six months before the votes are cast, you're probably not going to win the nomination. But I think requiring you to have forty thousand donors when you're self-funding and you're running on being an outsider candidate, not beholden to lobbyists and special interests, I, I I don't get that requirement. I think you should actually maybe look at have you actually filed for the ballot in states like Missouri or Iowa or Michigan, as opposed to do you have 40,000 donors? Uh, I, I know people in southwest Missouri may not worry about this, but I wanted to do at least one minute on the state of the Michigan party, Michigan Republican Party, because I think it's a it serves as a warning signal to all the other Republican parties around the country. What's the latest in uh, in, in your guys' uh, attempts to to have a functioning Republican state party? Well, the Michigan Republican Party is bankrupt. It doesn't have a headquarters anymore. It, you know, it lost its 40 year legislative majorities in the midterms last year. It's got a state party chairman who's been found in, uh, to have misled the courts in frivolous lawsuits. She's facing a contempt of court charge. The Now, uh, today, actually, just before we went on the air, the, the Democrat Attorney General of Michigan dropped criminal charges against the now former co-chair of the Michigan Republican Party as, as a fake elector. Uh, so it's kind of a three-ring circus here in Michigan, and it goes to show you the importance of having a competent state Republican Party who understands that a political party exists to win elections. You know, I, 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 and this is the problem I, I bring up with everybody is for the Republican Party to win the White House, I, I find the math very, very, very difficult if Michigan is totally off the board. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. And and for people that think state parties are sort of a, a archaic relic of the past, no longer necessary, I say no when you actually need to mobilize and, and and get people out volunteering, doing you know, the the base out, the state parties is where it's at. And having a a state party in Michigan that is not in a good place makes me really, really concerned about the next presidential election. Well, one of the things that we have in Michigan going on at the moment, we have an open U.S. Senate seat next year, and there is no credible Republican who's gotten in the race, because how do you run for the nomination of a political party if you can't even show up to that political party's events? Uh, Nobody wants to be associated with it. You know, it's actually really amazing. I've been doing this long enough to remember when Missouri was a battleground state that wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. Missouri and and Michigan weren't that dissimilar from each other 20, 30 years ago in terms of political dynamics and economic dynamics. And they went in, you know, divergent directions. And it's sad to see. It's sad to see a state that had 40 years of Republicans controlling the legislature and they blew it away. But, you know, look, 2024, I believe the, the center of the political universe is going to be Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. It's hard to see a state like Michigan being a true battleground state because Republicans now are losing by 600,000 votes statewide. Unbelievable. 
Dennis, as we do every day, we finish up with two questions. First is our question of the day. Question of the day today with all the heat going on around the country. What's the hottest day or hottest uh, time that you remember in your life? You know, I was in Dubai in 2016, ah. in August of 2016, and it was about 115, 117 degrees Fahrenheit there. So I would say that has to be it. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, all right, Dennis, if anybody wants to follow along with the work that you do or read your columns as you write on the future of the, the, the parties around the country, how do they follow you on social media? You know, Twitter's probably the best one, at Dennis Lennox, L-E-N-N-O-X. And uh, my columns in today's Telegraph, telegraph.co.uk. Very good. Dennis, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, as always. All right. That was Dennis Lennox raising serious concerns about the future of the country. Do we survive this Trump indictment, uh, third whatever Trump indictment that's coming down the the the, um, the pike? And honestly, I mean, as, as he said, at some point, you know, tr- Trump's going to be, you can't be indicted three different places, probably four by the time we get to Georgia and not and not end up getting convicted on on at least one of them. And then what happens? And that is a terrifying potential reality. And he brought up a good point how a president cannot cannot uh uh pardon himself pardon, from a state. Yeah, from a state crime. I, I I've never thought about that before. I I didn't even know that was a thing. I mean I knew pardons were a thing, but I didn't I didn't realize there were different levels like Yeah when it comes to pardoning so that that is scary this is one of the few things that i've been following for a long time with politics and trump is the republican party and just do we survive even after he's gone because i mean mean, we're certainly going to miss us some donald trump i'm going to say that we will for sure but i remember like okay we're going to have bruce the theologian on later and then and i I know we have to go to break so i'm really excited to answer the question of the day but i'm the producer doggone it and (laughs) so Feeling yourself a little bit. Little you got bit. the authority. Just finished. Well, while you were talking, I was eating McDonald's. So I'm, I'm so full of energy right now. Um, whenever King David left the throne, Israel almost went into shambles immediately. And then it, it kind of, it went back and forth for a while, but then it split between the tri, the, the, the tribes eventually. And that was kind of caused by King David. Um, not caused by him, but caused by his absence. I'm not comparing Trump to a man after God's own heart. Yeah, let's not do that. Whatsoever. I'm As just Trump saying, would say, well, in two kings, I think the comparison would be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not do not religiously, but just in general. He is the metaphorical king of the Republican Party. And once he's gone, whether that's through the voters turning their backs or through him just retiring, I don't I don't see where we go from there. All right. We're gonna be back. We're gonna answer the question of the day. Don't forget five twenty. Bruce the theologian. Talking to us about tithing. You don't want to miss that interview. Coming up later. Somehow you managed to get me talking too much. Yeah, there's a rhythm. Yeah, there's a feeling. We've been kicking these words around too long. News, analysis, opinion. They bitched and moaned for God knows how long. You don't have to agree with everything he does, but at least give him the benefit of the doubt. We need to clean the place up.